Are you gonna be a big sister? Yay! Yeah! Do you want a baby brother or a baby sister? I want a baby sister. You want a baby sister? Okay. Guess who's back? Back again. That's like your favorite song. Welcome to another episode of Hot Marriage, Cool Parents. Yeah. Well, our marriage isn't really that hot right now. Yeah, we've put a kibosh on sex altogether. My choice. Kibosh? Yeah, I think that's like squash, kibosh. <laughs> I've never heard that saying before, Doug. It might be a Polish term. Okay, maybe. Well, what it ultimately means is, and, and you came to me the other day and said, that you were kind of horny and if I would feel comfortable having sex. And I said, absolutely not. First of all, I can't believe, I don't use the word horny. First things first. Yes, you do. I say I'm feeling into it or something, but I'm not like, I'm horny. Yeah, no, I was kind of horny today. That's what you said. I said that? I yeah. don't I don't believe it. Yeah, I remember it. You <laughs> haven't said it many times, but I remember that. I don't say I'm feeling horny. That's so weird. That's so not like me. Either that or frisky. Yeah, I say that. No, but you said you were kind of horny today. And I said no, because I was worried about rupturing something for the baby. Aye, aye, aye. Okay. So anyways, regardless of how I said it, I I think that when I get pregnant, I do have a bit higher libido. And usually we would have sex, but every time you have sex, and it's so normal. I'm a labor and delivery nurse, so I know this is normal, but it's still scary. Every time you have sex, you know, because there's more of, there's an increased blood flow down there, you tend to spot. Spotting could be completely normal after sex, or if you do it and I don't know, I don't know. It just, if you don't do it and you're having spotting, that could be a bad sign. And every time before we lost our pregnancies, I was always spotting. It was always like the ominous sign that the pregnancy probably wasn't going to stay. And I have had zero spotting with this pregnancy <laughs> and I'm going to keep it that way. Yeah, and very nauseous. Yes, I I definitely have been nauseous. I'm nauseous right now. I have a uh, green tea because I'm not drinking coffee, so that's a good thing. I'm like nauseous and tired. <laughs> yeah, but that takes away the hot marriage part of it. Oh yeah, we are hot in every other way. More like hot, like sweating because my hormones are all over the place. <laughs> not hot. <laughs> yes. Hot, funny. not hot. <laughs> so we just have to be very cool yeah except from we're not that cool either but anyways uh i wanted to give a quick shout out to ace 07 because she left a five-star review on itunes she said it's so real i love listening to hot marriage cool parents jamie and doug are so open and honest about everything they're experiencing and really feel like a friend you can quote unquote talk to Jamie and I have been on similar journeys trying to conceive for 20 months in a miscarriage around the same time. And hearing someone speak my thoughts made me feel so much less alone. Thanks for being an advocate for those dealing with loss and infertility. And thanks for being a friend. When we aren't connecting on a deep level, these two have me laughing through my commute. Lots of love from Northern California. Oh, I really wish I could see faces behind these names. But yeah. Ace, it was so, so nice to like chat with you through this five-star review. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that we have a friend in you and I know I'm just glad that you don't feel so alone on this trying to conceive journey because I know it is so rough. Yes. And you want to, you want to place a face to the ace. Is I, that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying, Doug. <laughs> I want to see Ace's face. The last couple times that we've gotten, because usually it's me that gets recognized out 
um, whether it's at the mall or just walking around. I think the last couple times you actually were uh, recognized from your Instagram feed. Yeah, it was really sweet. So we were upstate um, visiting my family, which we'll definitely talk about more later. But I was just chatting with my new aunt, who is from my dad's side, who I matched with on the uh, DNA thing. And this sweet, sweet girl uh, was just kind of waiting for me in the lobby, and I didn't realize it. And she and her husband have been trying to conceive for a very long time, and they just started IVF. And obviously, I'm not going to say her name because she doesn't, I don't know that she wants everyone to, to know who she is, but um, not that you, you, you listening may not know anyways, but I just don't want to like, I didn't ask permission, so I don't want to, you know, say her name, but she was very, very sweet. And we got a picture and what's really funny is Gracie had had a poop explosion. So she had like, I had poop on my shirt, on my arm, but I was like, I am not leaving this girl hanging. Like she clearly waited patiently, you know, till, till I had a moment to say hello to her. So I was like, let's just get a picture and then I'll go change her diaper. (laughs) Yeah. Your exact words were, oh, I would give you a hug if my daughter just didn't poop in her pants. I still kind of gave her a hug. I just didn't touch her with that arm that had my daughter's poop all over it. (laughs) Yeah. But the last couple of times people have, um, people recognized you and had been following you on social media. Yeah. Honestly, it makes me feel good. I know that social media has been, you know, such a blessing for me. I know that it's not a blessing for everyone, but for me, it's been amazing because the whole trying to conceive and the suffering of losses, it does feel so isolating, so lonely. And, you know, come to find out one in four women really do have these same issues and we shouldn't feel so alone. We should be able to to talk to each other and kind of rely on each other and support each other. So yeah, it's been nice. But um, I also wanted to just quickly say, I know that we just read a review from uh, Apple, but if you want to download the Himalaya app, it's absolutely free and you can get to this episode a whole day early through the Himalaya app. And it's also a great way to just comment uh, within the same exact episode. And we read all of those comments. So if you want to follow us over there, we would love that. Are you looking for someone to share their deepest, darkest secrets on keeping their marriage spicy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you like, please dish on how to be a cool parent? Because yeah, I don't know. Please tell me. Well, Jamie Otis and Doug Hayner have got all you hubbies and wifeys and mommies and daddies covered. Yep, that's us. Because each week we're finding a guest who will spill all their dirty secrets. Oh yeah. Because we all want to keep our marriages hot and our parenting cool. Here's the show. So for today, we have a very special guest. Her name is Julie Solomon. And she is going to help you if you're someone looking to create a business you love, or maybe you don't like your nine to five, but you just don't know what to do differently. Our guest today has been able to turn her side hustle into a full-fledged career. I've been listening to her podcast. It's called The Influencer Podcast. And she has just she gives like so many great tips. And I do get questions about how I was able to quit my nursing job and kind of grow this podcast and grow a business. And, and, you know, we're not like raking in the dough over here, (laughs) but, um, but we are doing well. And I literally am a hundred percent self-taught. I never went to school for business or how to start a podcast or anything like that. And one of the things I listen to is 
different podcasts or YouTube tutorials, but Julie Solomon of the Influencer Podcast, she has so much knowledge and she has guests on who share their knowledge on how to kind of create your side hustle and then how to make your side hustle an actual business. And so when I get questions from you guys about, you know, how I was able to quit nursing so that I could be at home with Gracie while working with this podcast and whatnot, I I don't really have all the answers because I'm still trying to figure it out myself. But Julie Solomon, she is honestly someone who I have turned to in the past. So I thought, why don't I see if she'll come on the podcast and then she could talk to you ladies or you men, those of you who are interested and kind of if you're not happy with your job for whatever reason and you want to turn your passion into a business, this is the interview for you. So if you're into that, stay around for that. But first, I want to give you an update on meeting my dad's side of the family for the second time ever. It seemed like a while. Yeah, it seemed it did. It was when was the last time we saw them in August, right? Early August. Yeah. And we just saw them last week and it's like a missing it's like the the piece of the puzzle that's been missing like the one last piece you know that you've been dying to find to complete the picture Mm -hmm. and it's like oh now that puzzle piece is here and it's just like complete and I feel I honestly feel whole around them I don't feel I'm not awkward am I awkward I don't think I'm awkward I don't think you are but I was going to ask you if you feel if you feel a connection to them like do you have that sense of family connection I really do, which sounds so bizarre because I don't know them. I've hung out with them probably a total of mm, six hours, you know, considering maybe eight hours tops. Uh, But it's every time I'm with them, the conversation just flows, especially with my Aunt Luann. I mean, she and I and her husband, Ed, I guess my Uncle Ed, they we just have conversations that are just flow so easily. Like we could just talk about anything to the point where, you know, that my aunt Luann and I will just keep on talking and talking. And eventually you, Doug, you and Ed are like, all right, we're going someplace else. Like, yep. you know, I could just talk to her all day, every day. She's just so easy to talk to. And she's so interesting and intriguing. And we, we have a lot of the same interests. It's just so intriguing because she's obviously my aunt. So she's a lot older than I am, but it's like, we've been long lost family members I guess we have been but yeah they've I mean they've accepted us right from the start and I I don't I don't see a more welcoming side um at all and even your sister Amy's husband Nate he said it the best he was just like you know it's it's no wonder where the connection came from because everyone in the family seems to be an entrepreneur and grew businesses and had that that drive to be successful and you know, you don't necessarily find that in your mom, but on your dad's side, you know, everybody is a hustler just like you. Yeah. It's, it is really, really incredible because, you know, if you didn't know, I obviously didn't know my dad's side at all. I had no idea where I came from when it came to my dad. And then I, you know, matched with my aunt Luann on a DNA thing and she's an entrepreneur. My poppy, her dad, is an entrepreneur. My sister, or my her her sister, my aunt Tracy, is an entrepreneur, and my dad was an entrepreneur. And I've always strived. I've always just found it very interesting, and I've always wanted to kind of have my own job and be my own boss. And as much as I love being a nurse and being, especially a labor and delivery nurse, and being at the bedside, I always wanted something a little bit more flexible so that I could be at home with my daughter, so I could hopefully one day, you know, go to her games and not be stuck in a hospital for twelve hours straight. And so I, I always thought that maybe I would find some sort of uh, a nursing career that would be, I, I've always wanted to be a nurse and I still want to be a nurse, but um, 
while I'm a mom, I'm definitely going to focus on that. And I obviously can't, I mean, we're not like, we have no nest egg or anything like that. So we definitely, I have to, I have to work. There's not, there's no question about it. I have to have a job uh, as much as I once always wanted to be a stay at home mom, <laughs> but uh, I didn't marry your sugar daddy, I guess. No, <laughs> no, you did not. So I have to work, but quite honestly, I really like, I love working and it turns out that whole entire side of my family, they're all entrepreneurs. Like they're just, it's, it's incredible to me. It's just, it's really, really amazing. So that is awesome. You know, the whole reason we went up there was that it's, it was the one year anniversary of my dad's death. And so my poppy and my aunts and his, his friends and, um, you know, obviously family, my brothers were invited. We were all invited to go spread his ashes at his favorite, uh, places on the lake. He loved Cayuga Lake and he would, you know, had a boat and he would go throughout the lake. I guess he had some lake homes. Uh, and I was so excited to, to be able to be a part of that. I felt really fortunate that they even asked me to be, but I was also just excited to see like what my dad loved, like the homes that he like lived in and just things, just to get to know a little bit more about my dad. But unfortunately I got very, very sick. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen you more out of commission than when we went up there. And normally there's some nerves on your end where you're kind of having stomach issues or kind of nauseous or maybe the pregnancy thing. But this time you were like bed stricken and we still went over to their house, but I didn't think that you would ever get on a boat to be able to go considering how nauseous you are. Oh my God. I wanted to rally so bad because I, first of all, never get to see this side of my family. They, I've only seen them two times. I know this was a really important day because we were spreading my dad's ashes and I obviously really wanted to be a part of it, but maybe, I mean, I couldn't, I was like, I don't want to throw up in, at their house. Like, this is really embarrassing. Like, I, I do not want to throw up. And, you know, Gracie's running around with bubbles and wants to like climb up on, all, climb, <laughs> climb up on everybody. And I was like, Oh man, I can't chase her. Like, Oh, I just was like, Oh, like I better just go because I'm going to lose it. Yeah. And sure enough, the minute we pulled into the parking lot at the hotel, I, I didn't even get inside. I ran across to try to hide behind a tree. Didn't even get behind the tree. And just the minute I hit the grass, I, lost it yeah you didn't you didn't make it to the tree line whatsoever i and, tried and i didn't mind i i knew that you were upset because you had to miss out on the Cortland chicken too that they make i know i felt so bad because they, they made this whole feast and it, oh they have such good food up there and everyone starts to get their dinner and i was like i gotta go <laughs> and they were yeah. like what <laughs> i think that you could probably take a lot of pressure off yourself though because they're not necessarily doing it just for you no, I, mean, I know I mean maybe they maybe they are um, doing a little bit extra because you're there no. but um, but maybe it'll take a little bit less stress off your shoulders knowing that this is probably what they would do for your father Frank well you know? Doug I don't think they did it for me, but I'm just no. saying I wanted to be a part of it. Like I really wanted to show my support and show that I want to be an active family member and, you know, I'm really interested in them and, you know, I don't know. I, I, I do want to make a good impression. And so I want to be friendly and likable. And it seems like bouncing out before they, before they even eat isn't the <laughs> nicest thing to do, but I couldn't hold that vomit yeah. back. No, they, they seem to be really happy when we're there and they seem to welcome us. I mean, they, they have from the beginning and, you know, maybe it was just a sign to not be a part of spreading of the ashes. Um, you know, and unfortunately your brothers couldn't make it or I don't, 
the story never really came out on why they couldn't make it, but I just, I don't think that they were going to be able to come. Yeah. It's really sad because, you know, I know that my younger brother, he is, was very, very close to our dad and he's in New York city. So he, maybe that's why he couldn't make it. Cause that's a, per, that's a track to get up there. And then my brother who is also technically younger, but only by a couple months for me, he, I don't know what happened. He, w- he lives up there. So I really don't know why he wasn't able to make it. It's really kind of none of my business. And, you know, and it, maybe it's kind of a mixed blessing that I got sick because if I just don't feel like I would have felt comfortable there to like spread my dad's ashes and his sons who've been a part of his life, his whole life weren't able to make it. It just, I don't know. What do you think, Doug? Like, it just doesn't seem like that would be right. And yeah, I, I mean, on the other side too, if they were there, you know, it's, it's a, it's a weird scenario. It's almost like you're forced, not so much forced, but you're kind of just in there. And for his sons that were so close to him going out on a boat and doing something so personal as spreading ashes, you know, maybe they wouldn't have been able to fully mourn him. Right. With you there, um, in a sense, because they couldn't be themselves or, you know, it would just feel kind of maybe out of place. And like you said, I think if you did go and they weren't there, it would be something that you did that they didn't. And I don't know how they would feel about that. I don't think that any of us, I don't, I think my family, they're so friendly and polite. And of course they invited me along with, with my brothers. And I think when my brothers were able to make it, I'm sure they are kind of like, Oh, pooey like I'm sure they didn't want me to go I mean I don't know like I don't think I don't mean that in a mean way I mean that in a I don't know it's just such a complicated situation so I really I believe everything happens for a reason and maybe the reason I got so sick was just so you know it was it was just meant to be that they were able to have that time and and you know what makes me feel good is that my aunt Luann she the first thing she said to me the next day was that she spread some ashes on my behalf and honestly that's all I could could ask for you know they 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 needed that I mean they knew him his whole life I don't even know my dad so right. um so I'm glad that it all worked out and then she also said that my poppy is going to buy like little vases and he he saved some of the ashes so that we can each have a little vase uh of our dad is it vase or vase I don't know she said vase but I always oh. say vase okay what is it Doug is it vase I always thought it was a vase okay well maybe yeah. it's vase because she said vase too <laughs> Well, you can't, I mean, this is something that you can't force, you know, you have so much time to develop a relationship and this part of it is so new. It's, you can't, you can't really force or, you know, fast forward the relationship with your brothers or that family. It just has to kind of come as it comes. Yeah. I mean, I know my, the one brother just doesn't seem to have any interest in me whatsoever, which I get, you know, that's okay. And then the youngest brother who's in New York city, he has been nothing but like polite. I mean, he's struggling on his own, but he's reached out to me enough to say basically like, you know, you deserve closure and, um, that's kind of probably it. But I mean, you know, just a random thought though. Um, I don't think that any of the Rogans are dog people. I've noticed that we go from your family who have Great Danes and multiple dogs and at least three or four dogs to, to your family having three dogs, yeah. your parents. And none of the Rogans have a dog. I don't think they do, actually. I mean, I don't know. We haven't been to we haven't been to their homes, but they don't have they don't talk about a dog. No. Which is so interesting. And actually speaking of that, update on Foxy, our one dog who we had to rehome. Uh, I went to pick her up to take her to the vets the other day because Doug and I were both really 
unsure about the home that she ended up in because it wasn't the home we chose for her. And that's a long story. If you just go a couple episodes back, you'll be able to hear all about it if, if you're interested. But long story short, we weren't sure if this was a good home for her. I picked her up, took her to the vet's. She was obviously really happy to see me and she did well at the vets. She doesn't look like she lost any weight. She didn't seem in like any sort of stress or anything. I brought her home and this is the part that's bittersweet because she sat on my lap and it was so nice. Like the whole car ride home, I opened the door and she knows exactly where her new home is. She ran right to the front door of her new home and then they came out, you know, to say hi and to get to gather her. And they picked her up and she fell asleep in the guy's arms. I was like, okay, so she's obviously, she's obviously happy there. They really, really want her. They really didn't want us to take her back. So I kind of made the executive decision that she should stay there. Yeah. I mean, it would have been nice going to your friend and our friend Kate from Married at First Sight, but you know, maybe she is loved at that house. I mean, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have fought for her if they didn't love her. Yeah. And I do like that she's 10 minutes away. And so now, you know, we hired the guy to cut our grass. So whenever he comes, I said, do you, do you mind bringing the dog? And we could just, you know, <laughs> now that it's, she knows them and it feels loved by them. You think it's okay, Doug, that the dog, that Foxy comes back just to say hello? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's what it is, whatever. As long as she doesn't come inside. Oh, stop. <laughs> could you imagine? Oh, I just want to, sometimes, sometimes I still, like, I just want to curl up with her and cuddle her. That's, She's, that's because Lady likes to cuddle with me. That's true. But I just, Foxy was my cuddle buddy and I miss her and I love her so much. But anyways, moving on. <laughs> uh, it's just so, it was so nice to, to see my family again and to just really mesh with them. And they're so happy for our pregnancy and it's, just, it's so nice. Well, don't you have an appointment? tomorrow for the pregnancy yeah I do I have an appointment with a fertility specialist in the morning so they draw the labs and stuff from 6 to 7 30 now what are what are the results that you're looking for Doug 6 to 7 30 a.m I mean that's the earliest morning ever you did that the last time too though I know but I mean I don't know how I'm gonna function but (laughs) I am not a morning person no in case you're curious but uh okay so the labs that they're drawing are the HCG and the progesterone so basically the HCG is the pregnancy hormone and I'm you know hoping that it continues to rise that would be a healthy pregnancy and progesterone you need in order for your uterus to be a Mm -hmm. nice cushion cushiony home for the baby to implant in yeah the egg yeah the fertilized egg oh that's right getting yeah. real scientific here but well, in any you've, case. i mean you've been you've been putting progesterone up your hoo-ha for the last couple weeks <laughs> oh my I god think. that's tmi but it's so true they yeah. they prescribed progesterone and it's not like an oral tablet it's you put it up your vagina yeah when i when i went and picked it up i remember seeing i i thought it was going to be like a a syringe and you'd be injecting it into there but i saw that there were like there were vitamin e tablets or like little they're not vitamin e but that's that's what they looked like to me was the vitamin e tablets not only that but i was like i think you might i remember coming home and saying i think you might have to like cut it open and squeeze it inside of you you're like no you just put it up there yeah it dissolves inside you but it's true you have to like put it in your finger and then insert it up uh yeah yeah. Not the sexiest way to handle your hoo-ha. But right. anyways, also definitely not the sexiest results afterwards. I don't know if anyone's ever had to take progesterone. I mean, I pretty much have to wear a panty liner because as you can imagine, there's discharge. TMI, yes. I know, but it's it's so gross. And 
but I'm like, you know what? I'll take anything and I'm never going to complain because right. I'm just so thankful, 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 and blessed that we have a viable pregnancy. I just can't wait to hear the heartbeat. That's the biggest thing. So they will, you know, be checking my blood levels again. And I don't think we'll be able to hear a heartbeat yet because I'm still so early, but they should be able to tell us in a definite due date. That's what the doctor said last week. He said, gotcha. next week we should be able to tell you a definite due date, which I'm thinking based on the first day of my last period, it's going to be around May 14th. That's so far away. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like a, I mean, a lot can happen between then. I yeah. mean, we're planning on going to Florida for the winter, married at first sight and unfiltered. I mean, that's a whole another season that'll go by. Of married at first sight. Before we have a baby. It's actually true. They'll have wed. They have gone through their experiment. It will have been aired on TV. We have, we'll have shot unfiltered and that will have all been aired on TV. And I still won't have a baby until May. You will have to buy new pregnancy dresses, though, for unfiltered, which is nice. Ooh, that's a that's a nice thought. Oh, I'll have a bump for the next unfiltered. Yeah. Oh, that will be so cute. Yeah, you should ha- you should try to have the baby while you're filming unfiltered. No, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, spoiler alert for this season of Married at First Sight. For those of you listening, I don't know if you're watching or not, but it's over. So if you are watching. Uh, then, you know, two stayed married and two got divorced. And uh, we should just give a quick rundown on thoughts about the, this this season's couples now that it's over. What do you think, Doug? Yeah. Okay. So what do you think about Jamie and Beth? I have one word. I think Jamie and Beth are perfect for each other. And I knew they were going to stay together. Because, really? yes, I think that couples that go through a challenge and couples that go through an extreme high and an extreme low during the experiment become closer and they learn that they want to fight for each other and that they want to stay together. And plus they have the experts helping throughout to be able to manage and and be the facilitator for the therapy. That's a really deep and intellectual thought, Doug. Yeah. I think that's, that's what helps them prepare for, whatever's to come. If they can overcome some obstacle, then it prepares them for the future. I think it gives them the foundation that they're ready and willing to fight for each other and they don't want the marriage to end. Well, fighting has never been their problem. (laughs) That's for sure. That's true. They are very good at it. I have one word for Jamie and Beth and that is explosive. Yeah. But it could also be passionate. Yeah, uh, that too. Because they're both that those like those two words define them Mm-hmm. perfectly yep. how about for Keith and Iris Doug what do you think about their relationship they didn't stay together no and I didn't think they were they had zero sexual chemistry and I, and I don't care that she's a virgin um, they she gave off zero sexual vibe and I felt like Keith is a very romantic sensual type person that needs you think that. Keith is sensual and romantic Doug yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what he was hoping for rather than having to start from scratch with someone and guide her through a lot of the sexual stuff. Okay. Well, first of all, I I genuinely want to ask a male's perspective on this because I always thought it was a good thing to like get a virgin. When you're, when you're younger, then it means something by the time you want to settle down and get married. It's, you know, if, if everything isn't perfect, then that becomes a challenge and an obstacle. What do you mean everything perfect? Nothing is ever perfect. So No, I'm saying if they have the attraction, if you 
if you're a perfect match for that person and you feel it in your bones, everything is going right with the marriage, how compatible you are, your future, your goals, everything, then the virginity part becomes something that you get to do together and something very special you get to do together. If you don't have that perfect compatibility by the time that you're getting there, then it almost becomes a chore and it doesn't become something to look forward to. It's almost like, well, now I got to do this and then we have to do this and then we have to do this. And I'm just speaking from a guy or my perspective. It, it If it's not a hundred percent where they're both together, then the whole virginity thing becomes a challenge, which it did. A chant, like not a good challenge, I guess. Right. Not something that's worth it. Which honestly is kind of a shame because the girl waited 27 years to give herself to her husband and now she's a divorced virgin. Well, it's also an honorable thing that Keith did because he didn't want to just stick it out to stick it in. You know, he decided, Oh my gosh, Doug. He decided to break the marriage off if he didn't see a future there, which he didn't also want her to him to be the first one if they were going to be divorced right away. I mean, that's true. And he he on the decision day, he couldn't have been more gentlemanly the way he kind of called it off and said, no, he didn't want to stay married. But then for the reunion, man, he didn't really do himself any favors the way he explained how he didn't want to teach her how to have sex. I mean, that just, yeah, that didn't go over very well. But I don't, mm. I think he honestly just maybe felt a bit attacked. I don't, I don't want to say attacked, but yeah, by the host and by Iris, not that they tried to do that, but like they were just questioning like why, 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 why? And I think he just succumbed to the pressure. Yeah. I mean, it was just, I mean, it was the focus point when, you know, that shouldn't have been the main point of discussion. But I guess when you're, when your marriage doesn't last for this, that one thing is something that could be a talking point. So, yeah. Uh, Deanna and Greg are the third couple and they're the second couple to stay married. I, I like them both. I think that they're both perfect for each other. I do too. And I think they're honestly going to last the long haul. I think so too. I don't say that lightly usually, but I genuinely believe that they're very mature. They're both respectable people, individuals, but then also they respect one another. And they're just kind of a textbook perfect married at first sight couple because they listened to the experts. They did, you know, they put in the work. They were honest about themselves before the process. And then they were honest during the process. They're, they're pretty cool. Uh, the couple that shocked me the most um, for why they didn't stay together is Amber and Matt. I thought that they were going to last forever. Oh my gosh, Douglas. He said with heavy sarcasm. Yeah. In case you don't know my husband's sarcasm yet, there it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Amber and Matt. I mean, Matt was a hundred percent checked out by that reunion last night. Yeah. Uh, we watched it just last night, but uh, he was just 100% checked out. Like didn't even like try to pretend to be somewhat like cordial or, you know, friendly. And huh, I wanted Amber to light into him more, but she was, she's almost just like, it's like, she's begging for him to, he, she's still begging for him to be friendly ish to her. I think they were just over it. I mean, for, for Matt going into that, finale or the reunion he knew what he what was coming so how how can he be this cordial person he knew that he looked like a dick on the show and he was the main sort of villain of well, the season and looked like a d-i-c-k well, he was yeah, a d-i-c-k no, yeah 
Well, but also he knew that the reunion was going to be another session for them to talk about how he wasn't a great husband. So that's tough to get excited over and, you know, just to be a normal conversation. He knew what was happening. I'm surprised he showed up to be honest, but uh, each of them could really use therapy. I mean, I think every single one of them, all four couples, whether together or not, the first thing that we did, Doug, was, at least for me, I went to, I saw a therapist right after, and Married at First Sight pays for a therapist after. It doesn't have to be, you know, one of the experts. It can be any therapist that you choose. They will pay for therapy, and they did for me, and it was so, so, so helpful because I wouldn't have been able to afford therapy. Therapy can be so expensive. Yeah. Uh, speaking of therapy, there's this app we've talked about before. It's called Talkspace and it's therapy for how we live today. It's mobile. It's available when you need it and it's affordable. Basically you go through a, an assessment and they match you up with one of their over 3000 licensed therapists. It's over 5,000. Over 5,000. That's pretty amazing, but they match you up and you have access to this therapist, whether it's at your home, whether you're in a car, whether you want to text, video, call, anything at any time. But the great thing about Talkspace is that they allow you to switch your therapist and you can do it, do it at any time, no extra costs. It's super convenient and easy to use. You no longer have to wait for your next appointment to talk about what's on your mind. You can literally, like Doug said, you can text or call or voice video, whatever. So it's way more affordable. And best of all, you'll never have to wait a week to share what's on your mind because it's literally you pick up your phone, pick up the computer, go to Talkspace.com and they have more than 5,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing the challenges we all face. So to match with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use the code Jamie to get $65 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com and enter the promo code Jamie. You'll get $65 off your first month. So again, if you guys are interested, this is what well, I think this is great for teens in particular because they are so tech savvy and they don't necessarily want to see someone face to face. So if you know someone who's struggling, I highly recommend go to Talkspace.com, enter the code Jamie to get $65 off your first month. And I think that you'll find this is be really, really helpful for, for yourself, but also for the young ones in your life. The other thing I want to talk about real fast before I bring Julie on is literati. Doug, have you ever heard of this before? Literati? No. It sounds like a Italian opera singer. For parents, it's a lot easier to just throw your kid in front of a TV screen rather than helping like dig through to find a book that they actually might sit down and read. I think we've been, I, I think we've been really good about that. Not just putting her in front of a screen to have her be quiet. Yeah, I think that, I mean, they say that kids who read books have better vocabularies and longer attention spans, but it really is hard to find a book that Gracie will sit down and read from the beginning to the end. And that's why I'm getting her this literati. So literati mails five teacher approved books to your child every month. It's the book club subscription that teachers buy for their own kids. There's no more guessing or searching or reading the same books over and over. It also contains an exclusive original art and personalized note to your child. It's real sweet. After about a year, this second grader is now reading at a fifth grade level. It's unbelievable. Each month, buy the books you want. Returning the rest is super easy and free. Yeah, which I really like because, you know, it's hard also to store all these books. So to know that you can just kind of get them sent right to your front door read them, enjoy them, and then send them right on back. And if she happens to have a favorite within the within the box, then just pay for that one, keep that one. But the rest of them, you can just send back. That's so awesome. 
For a limited time, you can go to literatibooks.com and use the promo code COOLPARENTS for $20 off your first box. Plus, kids three and up get a special backlight pen. This is their best offer available anywhere. So to get it, you have to go to literatibooks.com, use the promo code COOLPARENTS for $20 off your first box. Plus, you'll get a free backlight pen for kids three and up. That's literatibooks.com and use the promo code COOLPARENTS. Not even kidding. I am going there right now and signing up to get this for Gracie because it really is hard to find books that she'll read from the beginning to the end. And I don't, we don't have room for more books. She already has a ton of them. So I like the idea that they'll send them right to my front door. And I like the idea that it's like they're, they're used books. It's not like, you know, it just seems so good. So anyways, definitely getting this for Gracie myself. They did not pay me to say that. I'm just doing it. Anyway, so Doug, you weren't able to be a part of this interview with Julie, but I have Julie on. I got to let you guys know, those of you listening, the the connection was really wonky on this interview, but I really didn't want to just get rid of the interview altogether because she has so much valuable insight for those of you who want to quit the nine to five and kind of turn your passion into a business, make that, you know, maybe a side hustle at first, but then maybe be able to quit your job that you don't like and have a job that you're really passionate about. Julie Solomon from the Influencer Podcast. She's our guest today. And like I said, it's a little wonky, the the connection, but I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. So without further ado, I'll have her on. Julie, thank you so very much for being on our podcast. I know you're a very, very busy woman. Uh, you're a mom, you're a wife, and you're running a very successful business. And I think that, you know, our podcasts are entirely different. You're the host of the Influencer Podcast, which is a very successful podcast. Congrats to that. Um, but I know that my audience, the ladies listening right now, they will absolutely love to hear from you because I think a lot of them are looking for ways to branch out and find more find more fulfillment within their careers. And I, I'm like, I know just the girl who can help them. So I'm so happy to have you here. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm really glad that we're able to do this. I know that this has been in the books for quite some time. So I'm excited to be on and to chat with you all today. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. So first things first, can you explain to all the ladies listening what the Influencer Podcast is? Sure. So the Influencer Podcast was kind of started um, about a little over two years ago from the idea of kind of extending what I was already doing at the time. So at the time I was blogging and creating content around um, marketing, PR, uh, blogging, of course, social media strategy, really helping people who wanted to create and grow a business online do just that. And so um, I started to kind of find as just a listener in the digital space, when I would go to YouTube or to listen to podcasts, I couldn't really find what I was essentially creating and kind of what I was looking for. You kind of had people that were a little bit more old school, a lot of men, if you will, that were talking more different types of marketing strategies, growing your email list, funnels, all that sort of stuff. But there wasn't really a female voice at the time talking about how to start, build, and grow a business. So that was kind of how it came about. And it was just another way that I could extend the work that I was already doing. And at the time, like I had mentioned, there wasn't a lot of female voices really in the space. So I think that kind of hitting it at that time with the content that I was creating really allowed it to really kind of catch on and uh, serve a lot of people that were um, eager for that information. 
Yeah. I think having a female, just her, your very own experience. And you've been very vulnerable sharing like what works, what doesn't work, which I think is awesome because sometimes, you know, people are scared to admit quote unquote, the faults, even though it's not really a fault and it's not a failure. I mean, every, every time you try and you don't succeed, at least like you're, you're, you're getting, you're inching closer to that finish line. So I think what that fact that you've been so open and transparent about what really truly has helped you grow your, your own, uh, online business and the podcast and all the things, uh, has been really, really helpful for even, even me. I mean, I listen to your podcast and I take away so many great tips. So thank you for being so transparent. I wanted to ask you, you, I know that you had a very successful background in the PR world. You touched on it a little bit. You helped with the publicity around the book, heaven is for real. And I think everybody knows that book. So you clearly, you had a lot of success in your career. I was kind of curious, what made you want to make the switch from kind of like a corporate it seemed like it was maybe more of a corporate job to now being your own boss babe and working for yourself. Yeah. I mean, for me, it really just came down to passion and to, and to asking myself that question of, you know, 10 years from now, am I going to look back and really be happy and satisfied and fulfilled with the work that I was doing? And even though mm. I had success in the PR space, I didn't love what I was doing at the time that I wasn't really connecting to people in the way in which I wanted to, and I wasn't able to serve them in the way in which I wanted to. Um, and so it really came from that idea of, you know, Julie, if you had $2 million in the bank, would you still want to be doing book PR? And the answer was no. And so for me, that was a clear indication that I was not living my passion and I was not living my purpose. I love that so much. And I feel like there are so many ladies listening right now who can probably like take a peek into their own life and think, Am I genuinely happy with what I'm doing? And this is exactly why I wanted to bring you on because I get so many DMs about ladies who are like, oh, well, how do you, how do you even start? Like, where do you even begin? So Julie, can you explain some of the best tips for someone who doesn't know where to begin to kind of turn their passion into like their career? Yeah. And you know, we get, a, we get a lot of these questions as well, right? Of like, you know, how did you even know when it was the right time to leave that cushiony corporate job, that safe job and, you know, um, go after your passion? How did you figure out kind of what that one thing was going to be? How did you get your family to support you in this? How did you, you know, do it while at the same time being a full-time mom and being a wife and all of those? things. And really at the end of the day, it just comes down to action because we can stay in our head about the how pieces all day long and kind of marinate on the ideas, but ideas don't get you anywhere if they are just ideas. And the engagement to really change something in your life comes from the action of testing things out, not just from thinking about them. So for me, it was taking the action at the time, you know, and this was when I first kind of got into the blogger space, I started out as a, as a mommy blogger. Like I did not start out as a podcaster with online programs and courses that help people grow businesses online, you know, but I started out, you know, kind of on that path. What were those baby steps that I could start testing out? So I started out as a mommy blogger, which really allowed me to get my feet wet, uh, so to speak, in learning how to write online, learning how to blog, learning that community of women that I would eventually be serving. So that was kind of the first step for me. And then when I found out like, okay, this is, this is kind of in the direction of, of where I wanted to go with my passion, but I need to monetize my passion. So then from there, I kind of became more of like a lifestyle blogger because you could monetize. And nowadays you can monetize pretty much anything, but at the time, the, the biggest thing that you could really monetize as a blogger was, you know, beauty products, lifestyle 
focused products and fashion products. Mm -hmm. So I kind of started focusing on that as a way to monetize, but then that got old really, really fast. And I started to feel kind of emotionally bankrupt. You know, I, I, I it was like, I was kind of take going back to my corporate days where, you know, my livelihood depended on somebody else giving me a check, you know, and to me, that was not freedom. Um, my whole point of, 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 wanting to create a business and wanting to create this passion of mine and turn it into something that I was super proud of was so I could have the freedom in my life to do whatever I wanted. You know, whether that was the freedom to wake up, you know, no matter what time I wanted to wake up in the, you know, in the mornings, whether that was freedom to work anywhere I wanted to work, whether that was freedom to wear sweatpants during the day, if I wanted to, whether that was the freedom of just making enough money so I could take my family on a vacation and not have to nickel and dime dime the whole entire experience, right? So if my goal was was that ultimate freedom to be able to, you know, live life on my terms, I knew that I had to be vulnerable in order to get there. And in order to be vulnerable, I had to test things out and I had to try different things and I had to be okay with not getting it right the first time and really be okay with those redirects and and kind of that testing phase. So there was about three to four years of me really testing a bunch of different things and taking all of the multi things that I was passionate about, testing them out, and then really kind of finding what felt right and finding what fit right, not only into my day-to-day, day-to-day life, but what, what started to fit right for the community that I was naturally cultivating over time as well. But none of those things are going to happen unless you take action. Oh my gosh, this is like, preach it, girl. I love it. And I love the passion in your voice. It's so, so good. And I also love that you say you should always have a backup plan. Do you think it's smart to put all your eggs in one basket? Or this is the big thing I find that either people are multi-passionate and so they're trying to kind of careers out of multiple, multiple different passions, or they're, you know, really putting all the weight and energy into one passion, hoping that it makes it big. What is your recommendation? Like, what is which, which is the right, right, right way to go? Yeah. So, you know, for me, I think that it's important to test different things out to see what your, where your fit is. Like, for example, when I was first starting out, um, I started, I tried to do a YouTube series and I bought all this lighting equipment and bought a camera and did all of this stuff, spent money doing it. But what I learned over time was I'm not really passionate about video. I'm not really passionate about editing. This is not really something that I'm going to want to wake up and do every day. What I am passionate about is creating content that helps people. So the YouTube thing didn't work, but then eventually I found my way to the podcast space and that was a way more natural fit for me. So I think that it's important to kind of test certain things out, but I also think that it's vitally important to pick one thing once you kind of do start testing things out and then you have to go full force into that or it's not going, if you just kind of keep something as like your side hustle and you don't really give it everything, then it really becoming the greatest thing in the world for you is probably not going to happen. So you have to really sit back and ask your, ask yourself the question of, do I want to be the absolute best at this? And if the answer is no, then I wouldn't be putting my eggs in that basket. If the answer is yes, I want to be the absolute best at this than I, that I possibly can be, 
then that's when you want to really focus on that. And then the next question that you would ask yourself is, you know, if I want to be the absolute best podcaster that Julie Solomon can, can possibly be, then I have to also work on being the absolute best version of myself so I can show up and really give it my all. And the absolute version of me is not somebody who's going to be dabbling around in 50 million things and never really focusing in on one thing. It's going to be testing things out, seeing what's fitting, really getting clear on who my audience is, really getting clear on what they want from me and how I can serve that up to them and then going full focus into that. Oh, you're just like a lady genius, genuinely. Like I just, I just absolutely love having you on here. I feel like you're probably speaking to so many hearts right now. Uh, another thing that I have written down for a question for you is, um, there is this motto that I really, really love, and it's, it's uh, I'm going to hold you to your dreams. So what's your best advice to someone who's on the verge of giving up on their dreams? You know, I would first want to get clear on why, because I think that that that's going to tell you a lot. You know, are they, are they giving up on their dreams because they're afraid? Are they giving up on their dreams because it's too hard? Are they giving up on their dreams because they've got all of these excuses in the way? Because if that's the case, then what they need to focus on is eliminating those excuses. However, you know, and it kind of goes back to that question that I posed of, do you want to be the absolute best at this? Because if the answer is yes, then you're not going to be so quick to give up on that. If you really want to be the absolute best at this, no matter, you know, if it's going to take you some time, if it's going to cost some time and, and not just money investment, but your actual time in making it happen. So I would want to get really clear on that why piece, you know, why are you giving up on your dream? Is it because you really don't want to do this at the end of the day, this really isn't your dream? Or are you just kind of hitting a bumpy road and you're exhausted and you just have the feeling of wanting to give up right now? You hit the nail on the head because if you're kind of contemplating giving up, then maybe it's really not your dream after all. Like maybe that's not your true passion. And that's when you actually have to sit back and reevaluate what is your truest passion. I, I just want to say, because I almost like could hear like some, uh, some people would be saying, I'm financially, I'm just not able to quit my day job in order to put all of my energy into this other passionate, you know, job that I want to make like a career. Mm -hmm. What do you say then when you don't have like any sort of like a nest egg to be able to kind of like live off of while you're building your brand or your business? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say I was right there with you, sister. You know, I mean, I worked kind of quote unquote full-time as a book publicist for almost four years before I went full-time into what I do now. So again, that testing phase, no, no one can, you know, wave a magic wand and be like, your testing phase is going to be nine months or your testing phase is going to be whatever it is. You really have to, again, start taking action and really figuring out what is going to work for you. Now, obviously you have to be smart. You have to be able to take care of yourself, put food on your table. I'm not saying, you know, quit your job and go all in, all in on one thing on the first day. I worked a multitude of jobs while I was building the side hustle, but there is going to become that day and you'll know it because you'll start to see, you know, the revenues coming in here, the revenues coming in there. You'll really start to kind of see once you kind of get a footing on what it is that you're making. Okay, now if I switch gears and focus in on this one thing, I could probably start to supplement what I was making on the other thing. And that's what happened to me. After about three and a half years, I started to make not as much as I was making in the book PR space, but almost as not almost as much that I knew that if I just pivoted a little bit and really started focusing on the side hustle and make it more of my full-time gig, that I would start to supplement what I used to make in the book PR world. 
That is amazing. And it's kind of like the cold, hard truth. Like truthfully, if you want something bad enough, you're going to have to, no one has a nest egg large enough to support their whole entire family. You're just going to have to work really, really hard for a few years until you start to make your side hustle, your real career grow. Yeah. And it's really about giving yourself some grace too, because the thing with passions is that, you know, also that people I feel need to remember is that you've got to get clear. It's not just on your passions because passions can change. Right. And if you, and if you don't believe that, then just think about, you know, the guy you made up, you might've had a crush on in sixth grade. Like, unless you married him, I doubt you're still passionate about that guy today. Right. So it's that idea that passions can change over time, but what you have to be steadfast and true on is your purpose. What is that purpose that is beneath the passion? That is kind of your root system. And you have to get clear on your purpose there. And as long as you're super clear on the purpose and really your why, why you're wanting to do this, why you're showing up, why you want to be the best at this, then the passions can start to kind of mold and change over time as you're testing different things out. For me, that's exactly what happened. First, it was mommy blogging. Then it was fashion blogging. Then, you know, I tested doing some YouTube stuff that didn't work out. Um, it was content creation with paid programs. I did a coaching thing for a while, didn't super love that, switched it to an online pro- program that made it a lot easier for people to consume on their time and, and allowed me to have more time in my day to create the content that I wanted to create. And then I found the podcast that worked super well. Um, you know, so you, you have to kind of figure out like what through that, that, like what are the things that are really aligning with your purpose that you're also super passionate about? Oh my gosh. I could talk to you all day about business. I like, I'm not, you know, just a random question I just thought of, but like, how did you learn all of this? Um, taking a lot of action, testing a lot of different things out and then redirection, you know, and not giving up even, you know, even when something in my, in my perspective that I would see maybe as a failure, you know, it taught me something, right? There's, there's teaching moments in all of it, if we want to see, and I had to always remind myself, well, what was my part in this? You know, even if it was just 10%, what was my part? And you even see it in, in any type of thing that you're trying to grow, even if it's your marriage, for example, you know, it's like you get in an argument or your husband's bothering you. You've got to say, okay, well, what was my part in this? How did I show up to the table that might've caused this disconnect or this redirect or this failure, if you will? And so I think a lot of that is really listening to yourself, really being in tune with, with some of those things that can kind of block you while, why they're blocking you, how, how you may be, you know, um, also not the catalyst for it, but kind of what is your part in those blocks and really kind of dissecting some of those. But for me, it just, it comes back to action. You know, if I would have just sat back and just thought about this stuff all day long, I probably wouldn't be here today to talk about it. Absolutely. And so it sounds like self-reflection, really, like being really open and honest with yourself. Like, look at, you know, don't make excuses. Like you were saying in the beginning of this interview, but don't make excuses just be very honest with yourself about what you could do differently and what, what, what's actually helping you. And then, like you said, take action, actually do something about it. I, this, I mean, I know it's a lot easier said than done. You make it sound very easy right now, Julie. <laughs> it's, it's a lot easier said than done. It's, I'm sure you had some blood, sweat, and tears on your process, like throughout the years, but, and actually, and if you listen to her podcast, but yeah, I, which I'm, by the way, a huge fan of your podcast, if you listen to her podcast, the influencer podcast, uh, it's right on Apple. It's on every single platform, right, Julie? Yes. Yeah. 
if you listen to her podcast, she often has guests on that also share like really good tips and tricks on growing different areas. I mean, I'll let you explain a bit more about what you do at the, you know, who you invite on and what a lot of your content is on your podcast. Because I think that if you resonate with this right now, you listening, you ladies listening, then you might want to go over and check out her podcast. Because if you are trying to, you know, find a way to fuel your passion and, and your purpose into like a thriving career, if you're sick of the corporate job or your nine to five, definitely, definitely check out her podcast because I genuinely get so many questions about this, but I, I'm still searching with everyone else, like trying to figure out how to fuel my own passion. But I found that her podcast has been very, very helpful for me. So Julie, you want to give a little more uh, background again on the influencer podcast? Sure. So, you know, that, that really is our goal to, to give the listeners the tools that they need to think and feel for themselves at the end of the day, you know, so they don't have to constantly be searching for some kind of magic pill outside of themselves to give them the life that they want. And we focus a lot of it on mindset, business strategy, marketing tips, um, business growth, um, and then kind of startup. So a lot of people who are just starting out, or maybe there's some people that they've hit a plateau and they don't, they kind of feel stuck and they don't really know which, which direction to take next, um, tend to be the biggest listeners that come to our podcast to get kind of those answers that they're looking for. And, and not only the answers, but the inspiration that they need to really surrender to a lot of the things that can get in our way. You know, at the end of the day, there's only one thing in life that we can control and that's our own selves and that's our own belief systems, our own thoughts, our own feelings, because those are the things that create our actions and then it's our actions that create our results. And so it's really getting, getting to the core of that mindset of, you know, what is your belief around money if you don't think that you have enough? What is your belief around time if you don't think that you have enough in the day? What is your belief around, you know, your parenting dynamics and, you know, you feeling so overly exhausted because you have four kids and you barely have enough time to attend to their needs, let alone build your side hustle dream? So, you know, where did, where did these things kind of stem from? How can we peel those layers back and then give you the tools that you need to actually build the life and the business that you want. Well, I got to tell you, you have done truly such a great job with your podcast because you really do touch on each of those things. And if you, you know, if you're, if, if you're just someone looking for a certain topic, you can get right in the title. So you can just kind of scroll back. You know, I've listened to like, like a podcast that you've recorded, you know, months and months ago, and they resonate with me today. So thank you so much for putting so much time and energy into like providing such authentic truly powerful and important messages and, and, you know, ways to really help, you know, be, build your brand and be the best version of you that you possibly can be. Uh, if anybody wants to find you on social media, I follow you on Instagram. Yeah. Um, but if anyone else wants to find you, where are you? I know you're on Instagram. Sure. Uh, are you on Twitter? Yeah. So, um, Instagram is where I spend my time, um, as well as Facebook. Um, so you can find me at Jules, J U L S and then Solomon S O L O M O N. And then in terms of what we create and how we help those, the podcast is probably the first step. It's, um, where we give away more free content than we could probably ever imagine giving away. It is free. It will always be free. Um, we love to show up and serve in that way. And then if someone is, really looking for, you know, more, um, 
intentional individualized help to succeed after that. Um, we have two incredible programs. One is called Pitch It Perfect, and it teaches creatives and, creatives and entrepreneurs how to pitch themselves. So a big part of my success to monetize as a blogger when I first started was from my my publicity days. I really knew how to pitch myself. I knew how to talk to companies. I knew how to talk to media. I knew how to get media placements. And I knew how to really position and pitch myself and my company and my brand in a way that looked very purposeful and profitable to companies around me. So um, I created that program about three years ago. It now has over 2,000 creatives in it that have gone through the program so they can learn how to position and pitch themselves to get really whatever they want out of their business or um, out of any kind of media opportunities that would come their way. And then we also have the Influencer Academy. And what the Academy is, is basically a step-by-step -step brand building roadmap where I go in and teach you exactly from A to Z of how I built my own business, my, my own online business from the inside out. So if you're someone who, you know, has this, has this burn in your heart for this online thing, right? You have this idea, you have this, um, this book you want to write or this program you want to create or, you know, a line of, you know, skincare that you want to put out in the world and you don't quite know how to do it. The Academy gives you everything that you need to know A to Z on how to not only start and grow a business, but market it online in a way that is extremely profitable. And so you can find all of that information at um, juliesolomon.net and then theinfluenceracademy.org. I love it. Thank you very, very much. I'll have all that information in the show notes for you ladies who don't have a pen and paper and you can't take notes. Um, but listen, Julie, I know you're a busy woman and I just want to thank you so much for taking the time out to chat with me and all, all the ladies listening right now. And I'm sure there's a few men too. So thank you so much for being here and sharing just so many great tips and all your wisdom. We really, really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much. doesn't necessarily view themselves as an entrepreneur. She makes me want to start my own business. Yeah, she's incredible. And next week we have someone on who's also super duper cool. This guy is Brendan Sinnott and he is filled with history. So he used to work backstage at Saturday, Saturday Night Live. He was on the cast of CBS's uh, reality show Survivor. He's the father of four, but two children are adopted. And that's what I really want to talk to him about is the adoption process. God bless him. Yeah, right. But he also co-founded the organic food brand Bare Naked Granola and then sold it to Kellogg for more than $80 million in 2007. So Jeez. this guy, yeah, I'm excited to chat with him uh, about everything really and if you guys have any questions for him we are doing uh in the beginning the first half of the podcast we're going to answer all of your guys's questions for us so throw in any questions you have for brendan sinna as well i can't I think i'm saying his last name right Sinnott? yeah sounds right it's s-y-n-n-o-t-t -T. but yeah uh we're so excited for next week's episode too so you know subscribe give us a five-star review we'll give you guys a shout out for that and thank you so much for listening and goodbye oh and the other thing i wanted to let you guys know is that i only have a select number of books left for me to sign and when they're gone they're gone because you know i'm pregnant now and with gracie i'm just trying to focus on 
spending as much time I can with my daughter, but I figured the ones that I do have in the basement, I should sign for you guys. So over at jamieotis.com, you can get an autographed copy of my book, Wifey 101, and just leave a little note when you order it, and I'll be able to personalize it just for you. And I can too. If you want me to do a drawing, I could draw anything that you want. Oh, Doug actually has done that before for someone, and he does love signing books. I do. (laughs) But anyways, yeah, so we will see you guys next week right here in Hot Marriage Coherence.